We've started. This is it. This is No Laugh Track Podcast, episode 239. I'm Justin Severson, the host. Thank you, Circle of Heat, for letting us play your music there at the beginning. And uh, I'm here with Miss Shannon, Shannon Hello. Paul. And we are rolling, talking about the Oscars just real quickly. You know here. what? I think the Oscars, uh, so two of the biggest nights in television, so the Oscars and the Super Bowl, I'm going to put in the same category. And I know it sounds like a stretch, but they're both things that a lot of people probably are like, this is really boring. I'm going to go to bed. I don't need to see the end. Okay. And then, surprisingly enough, we had, like, these twist endings on both of these shows that historically are so dull. Yeah. Like, there's, like, I was one of those people. I had a gig um, with another comedian friend of ours, and we were, it was happened to be, we started performing during the halftime show of the Super Bowl, and then we came off stage. We're like, oh, wet. They're so far behind. We're not even. So I got home. I didn't even turn it back on. I'm like, (laughs) why? And then I wake up to, oh, my gosh. I should have been paying attention. Uh And I feel the same way about the Oscars, because I had seen enough of the Best Picture things, and I was I liked La La Land, but I don't think it needed that many nominations. Um, so I was like, okay, blah, okay, fine. And then to know that they, that then the La La Land dude has to go, and um, yeah, we didn't win. That's the worst, but he did the best. He is did what did, it was. He were you the watching best. the uh, Oscars live then? I Sunday? was not oh. because I didn't think I needed to watch it anymore. I'm like, I'll read back. It's just going to be boring. Okay, it doesn't okay. matter. All I need to know is I didn't expect there to be any controversy. So same thing where I'm going, okay, whoever wins, it's going to be one of these names. I already saw the whole list. There's no way that anything interesting is going to happen. It'll be whatever Jimmy Kimmel's last little joke is. Yeah. I already laughed at the one I thought I was going to laugh at, which was like, you know, Meryl says, what's up to the president? I thought that was going to yeah. be the biggest joke of the you whole up? night. Exactly. I didn't think there was going to be anything else. Yeah. And then I wake up, I'm like, oh no, drama, where's the clip? So uh, Unbelievable. Mm-hmm. I I think I watched some of the show. Mm-hmm. I really only saw La La Land because okay. my wife dragged me to it. Did you I didn't, like it? Not, I, eh, when I hear the, since I've seen the movie and the, and the commercial comes on right. and it's the right. <laughs> Yeah. I, I sort of like, oh, yeah. I liked it enough. Like, I liked that. Yeah. But I couldn't, like, go to work the next day and be like, guys, you should go bring your, you know, wives or girlfriends over to lot. Like, eh, no. You didn't like it that much. Nah. I enjoyed it. I had a good time at it, but agree with you. It was not my, f- I wasn't so mesmerized by it that I thought it needed that many awards. I do appreciate, and you know this as somebody that used to work in radio, I do appreciate the fact that I am... Because of the way I work in radio now, I do get to not watch the entire show because I don't have to go in first thing in the morning and that's my whole life because there were so many shows it's that funny I would, that. I'd hate watch. Like, I didn't want to watch it. I never liked uh-huh. The Bachelor, but that was one of the shows uh-huh. that we used to talk about. So I'd have to go home and hate watch this show yep. or American Idol and or any one of these award shows that you knew was going to be mostly boring, yep. but you had to hate watch it. In case it was going to be the subject of conversation the next day. Now I'm like, that's all right. I can watch the highlight reel because I don't have to talk about it immediately. It'll all be online eventually, so I don't have to pay attention to it. It's funny that you say that because Mm -hmm. that... that pretty much goes through my head every time one of these things, like the Oscars specifically, yes. or, or the uh, was the Emmys, the yeah, Emmys. the TV mm-hmm. awards. Is I think the same thing. Like, my God, if I still had that producer job, I would be watching this from the beginning to end. That you knew was dry and boring. You don't want to yeah. watch. Mm-hmm. But now I'm like, well, you know, because of social media, if something really stands out, you know, to go turn I'm gonna it fi- on. I'm going to find out about it. The, Almost immediately. The only award show I still watch is I'll watch the Golden Globes because people get drunk at it. Oh, and something the Golden Globes. Might happen. That's I'll the watch other that. one. Um, yeah. And then I'll watch the Tonys. 
because I know I'm not going to spend money to go see all of those Broadway shows, but I want to feel like I did. Like, oh. I want to feel involved in that and be like bougie-ish. <laughs> And be like, I know about Kinky Boots, even though I probably did not go see Kinky Boots, you know, or like, it's so great. Don't you know what they want a Tony for? Right. You know, I like that. And I'm like, I'm not going to spend the money to go hang. And I love all those shows, but I'm not going to spend the money. To That's go funny. My, my knowledge ends at uh, the Hamilton, okay. the, only because it's so popular. <laughs> You're like, OK, I get that one. I did get Hamilton win everything? I knew that. <laughs> of I knew course they would. it did. Like, I, I figured they would. It should have. Yeah. It did justice. It did justice. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I don't know one competitor, like Lin-Manuel Noriega, whatever his name is. Yep. I vote for him. Yeah, he was really good on Jimmy Fallon. I like him on that one. So you can catch up all the time. That's the good thing about social media is it makes people weird, fake famous, but it also means that you don't have to watch anything real time because if it's really important, somebody will send out an alert and you'll go, okay, I should pay attention True. to that. True. You know, since we're talking about this stuff, there's something um, we'll get to. We'll, we'll get to your comedy and talking about all that, but... Um, Dancing with the Stars. Yes. Is that a show that you like or that you, you know, would watch, hate watch? You know, of the reality watch? shows, I will watch Dancing with the Stars. But Dancing with the Stars on like season 735. Sure. And so now the stars, really stars with quotes around it. Not really stars. Leftover Disney, ABC people. Charles on it. Charles, 5,000 years old. Charo. Exactly. Charles on <laughs> Gucci, it. Gucci, Gucci, Exactly. Goo. So I'm watching it for that, but I know I'm not going to watch it all the way to the end. It's one of those things that I watch the first four episodes, and then I spot check back in. Sure. But you want to see you, everybody, yeah. see how they're doing. Can you imagine some of these reality shows that have been around for, like, I forget that people still care about The Bachelor. Right. Like, I'm like, and I know it's not my particular fandom, but I'm like, really, girl? Really? You you are like bleeding over this whole thing. That's insane to me that some of these reality shows. Oh, yeah. I thought all of them were going to be a fad. I figured every reality show that's out there would last three seasons and then fizzle. So the fact that any of them are coming up with this long, I'm amazed. I completely agree. Mm -hmm. I want to throw in just about Dancing with the Stars. That mm -hmm. It got my attention. And we, the only reason I'm even bringing it up is because they just announced, like you said, right. Charo. Yes. Mr. T. Yes. I want to see Mr. T. Because he's going to break a hip. He totally <laughs> is. He is not spry. And no. Kind of thing. He is, there's no way. And I do wonder. I loved him when so I was a much, kid. I want to see him so much. Of course bad. he did. We all loved him. But it's so interesting to go, how much Mr. T is he going to bring as a character to the show? Like, there has to be an homage to, like, is he going to figure out one of, like, when he's doing the cha-cha with all the chains? It's going to be something. He's got to be. He can't, like, totally turn it off, like, when the sports figures show up and they're like, well, they squeeze him into that suit, but it looked all right. So <laughs> what is he going to do? Yeah, right. And I, 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 I'm curious because I think he's one of those people that you'll root for. It's not like when you get one of those mini Disney stars and none of us old people ever know who they are, so yeah, they no get clue. booted off immediately. Yeah. But Mr. T, T, I think, will get the fan vote. For a while. I was reading a list of all the participants for the upcoming season, and it was listing, you know, like Mr. T, Char, yeah. all these people. Then it got to, like, a bull rider or yeah, something. Yeah, and you're like, who? And then in parentheses, <laughs> it said who that bull rider was dancing with, and it, then it said, he's the celebrity. Like, <laughs> even though the da his dance partner is so probably much more famous. Mo yeah, it's more mm -hmm. famous. Yeah. So we'll see how that goes. Maybe they'll be the ones where they get together, and then all of a sudden they have little bull riding kids. I dated a guy for a while who was a rodeo bull rider guy. That was one of my oh wow yeah i count him as the one that got away when you have that one you just got away okay I count yeah because yeah. I, I i met him when i still lived in texas that was dope 
That was good. That was when I still drove a pickup truck and played football. So it was like, you are inherently the male in this relationship, even though I play football and drive a pickup truck. <laughs> yeah, right? Nobody was questioning, well, Shanna seems a little butch. I'm like, did you see your boyfriend? No. She has an F-150. He has a Silverado. They're good. It was wow. fine. Wow. It was totally fine. Yeah, so he used to, like, break horses for a living and ride. It was, it was really cool. It was cool. Did you ever give it a shot? Give what? what it, rodeo stuff? Yeah. No. Yeah, go, close, go, go, no. go stand in the uh, barrel in the nope. middle. The closest I came is for the Texas State Rodeo. Um, Sinbad was the primary performer, and I was the opening act at the Texas State Rodeo for Sinbad. Oh, no So I kidding. got to go out to the middle... <laughs> Of this arena and tell jokes with thousands of rodeo fans, like at an surrounding inter- me. intermission or something, or before. Yes, so inter- at an inter- yeah, so at an intermission. So they had a bunch of events first. Oh wow! And then it was like, and here's Miss Shannon, and I got to go out and tell jokes for a while, and then Sidbad came out and did like a half an hour, you know, kind of thing. So it was interesting. They uh, the rodeo was here in town recently oh. in St. Paul. Okay. I did- you know, I had the job over at the XL working on the Wild Games concerts. I did not work the rodeo, but some okay. of my colleagues did. What and did they, uh, they were saying that, uh, the I don't know how often this happens, but it's eight seconds they're supposed to stay on, right? Yes. No one in the whole show wow. lasted eight seconds. So at the end, they had to just like draw names out of a hat. Like, <laughs> well, we need to crown a champion. Rock, paper, scissors, or who gets the belt? Yeah. I, would, I can't do it. I can't even stay on the bull at Cadillac Ranch over the mall. <laughs> I'm not trying that. So there's no way. I'm pretty sporty and I will I will do most adventurous things, but there's some things I'm just like, I'm good and I tap out. I tap out on like any of the bull riding riding stuff. I don't do any of the things that require a lot of heights. So I'm not okay. if I was on amazing race and that was the only way I could win a million dollars to jump out of airplane, I'll do it. Otherwise it's not on my bucket list. I'm not doing any of that stuff either. Did so, you did you watch this the episode of Amazing Race a few years ago where they were have you ever watched do you watch the show? I do watch the show. Mm-hmm. I used to and never missed for years mm-hmm. I never missed an episode. Uh there was one where they needed to go down this giant slide. Oh, Oh my God, it was that in it was some. Uh, uh, um, uh, but it like nearly goes ver- uh, yes, vertical. Yes, and it's at a resort in like somewhere in Mexico. Mexico is yes. what I was going to mm-hmm. say. I did see that one. Mm-hmm. And the woman wouldn't. She was like, "I can't." I and can't. I'm like, for a million dollars, I'd have sucked it up and done it. And but that's like, all it would have. He's yelling. He's the, like, he's, "We're doing yeah, it! Yeah, come on!" Like, and teams are they're, they have a big lead, and teams are showing up, and just like move out of the way. Yep. Whoop. And I'm this like, just I'm like, eight year olds went down it. Go right? down. And yeah. I would have done that too. But okay. that would it wouldn't. I wouldn't have volunteered for it. But I'm like. <laughs> No, we're doing this. I'm uh-huh. not taking the hit on this one. And, uh-huh. and that's why I like Amazing Race. Back to our reality shows conversation. It's still the best edited as far as oh, the keeping your excitement from the beginning of the episode to the end of the season. He's just like, like even though one team's probably like a whole day ahead of the right. other one, you, don't you know. never know. Mm-mm. You never know. You're Mm-mm. still like, I hope they do it. And they do. I have sent in a audition tape to that twice. Really? And a girlfriend of mine really wants to do it, and and I just haven't gotten my act together. What would be one. your like? What's the well? Just the last best time, for besties. What would your the last description time of your team I sent be? it in? It was a I w- that was when I was still playing football, and my f- girlfriend that was doing it. She used to play women's rugby, so we tried oh. to be like we were going to be the two black girls that did it, and we didn't get on. But then the season came out, and it was two other black girls, and I was so disappointed <laughs> because it was two more I'll consider um, stereotypical black girls than my girlfriend Shireen and I because it was the two black girls. Neither of them knew how to swim. They were just super like I was like, whatever. They had much more blackish girl names than Shannon and Shireen. Oh, so okay, mad. okay, okay. So mad. And I'm like, that's why I didn't get on. They picked two other black girls. Yeah. Um, and then 
uh, and a couple of seasons later, I wanted to resubmit, and I was going to do it with my husband at the time, and we'd be fine, because I'm like, it'll be this interracial couple. And then, like, the next season, Team Zebra was on, but the girl, she was, like, former Miss America pageant black girl. And I'm like, well, yeah, I wouldn't have got that either, because they don't care about little, you know, Miss America or Miss Shannon. <laughs> I think the Miss America black girl trumps the comedian black girl. I'm like, we would have been so much better, and I know how to drive a stick. I was mad. So I have to, <laughs> I have to come up. That's awesome. With another hook, because it is about the hook. Yeah, absolutely. So you either have to look like you're the best teamwork people ever, or you're going to fight the whole yeah. time. Because yeah. that's why they did one season of Amazing Race Family. And oh, yeah. it was And it was awful. Mm-hmm. And they did one season. And my friends were like, well, maybe you guys should do that. Because it's, you know, my family, we're just interesting enough. Because it's my mom, and then I have two younger sisters. So the four of us, in theory could be they actually had the black family it was the black family and their name was actually the blacks and because people aren't very creative so um <laughs> the blacks, the blacks and the blacks again couldn't swim i'm like this is bullshit i was so mad <laughs> my mom put us in swimming lessons for a reason it's like you will not be stereotypes um so we um and i'm like no i can't do the families because my family and i we love each other and we get along but i would have murdered my sisters because we are very similar in that we all, because it's all women, you know, kind of thing. So I feel I feel bad for any time one of us dates somebody new and they come in and they have to deal with our little, because we're just weird enough. It sounds intimidating uh, just from here. Exactly, because yeah. we were, it was my uh, single mom that raised three girls yeah. for the longest time. And so when people come in and out, we had little ways that we just got accustomed to hanging out. Sure. And so my youngest sister, she has a boyfriend now who's grown accustomed to us. My poor mom married this poor guy from Elko, and he's figured it out. Poor guy truck driver dude and I feel bad for him because any given time we all just turn into like a hive mind and poor Charlie is having the worst time ever (laughs) Um, but we are like as the oldest sibling they would be like, why does the oldest sister keep losing her shit? That would be what it was because I would you would think that I was going to like murder them uh-huh. because my middle sister, she's just like one of those people that doesn't want to make a decision because she's so worried she's going to hurt somebody's feelings. The baby of the family is very much the baby of the family who has absolutely no sense of urgency whatsoever. So it would just be me, the alpha one, going, would you hurry up or we're going to look like just losing it. That's and I'm awesome. like, I'm not going on it. We love each other now, but we can't be in that kind of se- that situation. Yeah. yeah, they would really it. It's worse than having Thanksgiving every day. There's no way. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. So it's like I know my limitations. I know it. <laughs> Very good. I um, we should talk about what's going on at Acme this week. Yes. You aren't I'm working. I'm here this week. You, you're here now. <laughs> like I'm here now, but we won't be here tonight. But my friends are here. Like who's here this week? My friend Earl Elliot, who I call like my little brother, even mm-hmm. though he's not. And I try not to make that joke because he happens to be black. That's what I say to my little brother. People believe us. Oh, uh-huh. <laughs> kind of thing. So Earl's gonna be here as the MC, and I think Ben Sandel's the feature. Yeah, I saw yeah, that. Yeah, so that'll be really fun. Who's the headliner again? This well, week? the headliner headliner tonight, I think, still right, is uh, Isaac Witty. Oh, okay. And then Love the weekend Isaac is forever. Beth. Beth Stelling, mm-hmm. Stellings, mm-hmm. right? Yep, the Stelling. Oh, yeah. So great week, great yeah. week. So it's nice to have uh-huh. new headliners that we aren't familiar with. Yes, exactly. And like when we set this up uh, to have you as the guest this week, it was a week when you were you were working I here was two here, weeks yeah. ago. With the, <laughs> exactly. with, uh, I had Phil Hanley on the show that oh, week. Oh, Phil is fantastic. Right, that was the first time I'd work with him. Okay, and it was so fun. 
You know, and that was an interesting week because I'm sure you're familiar familiar with the MC who was Robert Brill. So it was like, it, so it's like two handsome thirty somethings and then the black girl. So it was like, I, it was a nice sandwich that week. So, I, <laughs> so kudos to anyone that came and saw us that week. It was nice. It was very fun. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot. What uh, I'm gonna so now let's get let's get into the comedy talk yes. here. Um, the so like Phil Hanley and you know the, how let's go back how long how long have you been I know we talked about this before how long have you been working Acme oh, oh my God are we coming up on from my first open mic we must be coming up on like sixteen years wow mm-hmm. yeah so a really long time because this was the first open mic I ever did was here okay I came here when I was still in college uh, and my friend of mine and I used to come over if I ever write a book. Then I have to, my friend Michael Libby, I have to shout him out in it because he's the one, I'm sure every comedian has their story about how they got into college, college, but he was a college friend of mine and we used to come here when you could still get like cheap tickets and we would come here and do two for ones and hang out or we'd come here for the open mic every Monday and just have a great time and it was just one of the places we hung out and he used to tell me, you're funny, you should do that, you tell stories and I'm like, I just tell stories, I don't really tell jokes. He's like, Finally, he just said it just the right way. And he's like, what do you think everybody's doing? Just figure out how to make your stories a joke. Yeah. Which sounds a lot easier than it is. But, yeah, I was like, I finally, you know, got my act together when I was in college and came here for an open mic and didn't die. Yeah. Um, and have been here ever since. So I really appreciate, you know, the fact that I get to work here. Because it makes it worthwhile when you're out and my not. Right. So, <laughs> right. well, I'll be back at Acme soon. That'll be fun. Who are some of the, uh, who are some of your favorites that you've worked with here? Oh. Here, like I got to, you know, I've been doing it long enough that I get to say that I worked with some people who are super famous now. Yes. Who weren't famous then. Yeah. You know, or so like Louis C.K. before he was Louis C.K. You, you, know, you or, opened for him for yes, Louis C.K. You know, say, and like to be able to hear their stories. Like one of my favorites still is like um, when Bobcat Gothwaite was, we used to come here all the time. I lucked out and had, got to work for him a, um, a bunch of times and, and just to hear his stories and to be in the back room. This is how long ago it was. Like we're sitting back there and Robin Williams pocket dialed him, um, oh, you know, wow. kind of thing. Yeah, and we're sitting there. He's like, Robin's in the casino. He pocketed him. Like, to get to hear that and to be able to experience that. Or every time Emo Phillips here, I'm just so happy every time I get to work with Emo because yeah. he's just amazing. So, yeah. but, I mean, but you're, I mean, you're at Acme. So I'm like, I can't think of anybody where I'm just like, oh, my God, I had to work with who? That sucked. Right. Like, it doesn't. All the stories come from other places that mm-hmm. work. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it, you know, that's part of the reason why you know that you're just so blessed to be able to work here. So uh, it's when, fun. When I when I had the radio gig, we were in Vegas one year, mm-hmm. and Bobcat joined us on the show. Is he fantastic? He is fantastic. Mm-hmm. This story is not going to go where you think it's going, though. Okay. So he was. Uh, he came and was on. We were, you know, doing the show. We're on the air. He came and sat down at the we were big table. It was like, you know. 10 of us or eight of us, whatever the whole, right. every sidekick and yeah, everybody's there. Oh my God, there. you guys had a crew. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of people there. Mm-hmm. Empty seats next to me. So Bobcat Goldthwaite sits down right next to me and they're, you know, they're joking. Tom and he and Tom are joking around and people kind of, you know, giving each other grief and whatnot. And I had met him once before. I thought this was going to be really funny. What I said to him. Right. I, uh, they were talking about police Academy in yes. his movies. And I, and I asked him where he kept his Oscar for police Academy. <sighs> He didn't, he didn't think, think it was funny. That was funny <laughs> at all. He looked at me. There's I'm, there's probably tape of this still somewhere. He looked at me and he goes, who are you? 
I'll never forget how small I felt oh, sitting next I to him. Like, just... oh, he just called me out for. I was like, I'm gonna join in on all the, you know. I'm gonna yuck it up, and yeah, it doesn't like work. yeah, everybody's you know goofing around and giving each other grief, but. And he was making you know, a lot of self-deprecate. Like his, right. He, the does name take, of his, he doesn't take himself overly seriously a lot of times. The right. of his album at the time mm-hmm. was Didn't You Used to Be Bobcat right. Goldthwait. Mm-hmm. It, that's not self-deprecating. <laughs> you just you were just one too many. Like was, You were like the last one. But I mean, I think that's the hard part when you're balancing out when you're in radio where you think you have a rapport with somebody you like in your head anytime because here's the difference like on stage when i'm doing whenever i'm telling jokes and i'm at a place like acme you get that that instantaneous feedback so you can tell if it's working or not and you can always pivot but when you work in radio you get so accustomed to in order to be good at your job you have to always presume that you are hilarious so you have this internal inflated sense of ego and hilarity and just mm-hmm. how creative you are. So you're sure everybody's going to think you're perfect. This is going to be good. Right, because that's how you function because you're in a studio with just the other people who yeah. have also think they came up with the bit with you right. and it's perfect and you don't get the feedback until the ratings come out, which is weeks. You know, Now it's weeks. It used to be months. Sure. Months down the road. Um, so the same thing happened to me because I don't do, I'm not a comedian that can do voices. I only sound like people I already kind of sound like. Okay. And so at the time when I was doing the morning show uh, at the hip hop station, I used to do uh, an impersonation of Wanda Sykes, but that's because I already sound like Wanda Sykes. Wanda's just a little more like, hey, what do you think about this? That's the only difference between the way we I sound hear, anyway. I hear. So we had Wanda Sykes who's finally going to be on the show. So we came over. We thought it was going to be a hilarious bit. We were going to do dueling Wanda's. Right. And we thought she was going to think this was the best idea Ever. Uh-huh. We're like, each of us are going to be our little, I'm going to say something, act like I'm Wanda, and then she's going to act like she's Wanda. She was not feeling it. <laughs> she thought it was so stupid. Oh, you're making me feel better. Right. She was like, you want me to do what? And we're like, yeah, we're going to do Dooley Wanda. We had the banjo music. We had all this stuff because we were like, this is going to be the best. We're going to win a Marconi. So we were so sure it was going to be hilarious. And you could just see her. We do the interview and she was like cool with the interview. And then like my host at the time, this guy named Tony Fly, starts trying to like explain what we're going to do. Well, Shannon, she sounds a lot like you do. And she's like, she sounds like what? And she's not oh. feeling it. Oh, no. Uh, not feeling it. No. Um, and so we try to do this thing, and you could just see it just like, well, we're doing it. You, we could feel it tanking. Because mm-hmm. she's playing along, but not really, because you could tell she thinks it's just stupid. Yeah. And she's like, and then I woke up this morning, and I, like she's not even trying. And we're like, all right. So we just kind of like eject, like pull the ripcord yeah. on this whole bit. And we're like, okay, that sucked. Never mind. And now she hates us. So... When I had the chance to go and audition for for Last Comic Standing, it was the season that Wanda Sykes was oh, one yeah. of the judges. And so I did not get up on stage because, my, of course, Tony was like, he said, he's like, oh, you're going to see Wanda. This is years later. But he's like, he yeah. asked, he's like, you're going to go there. You know, Wanda's one of the people in charge, the producer now. Are you going to tell her about the Wanda thing? I'm like, hell no, I am not bringing <laughs> that up. That's I'm, my whole act. Yeah, I'm going to get up there and Mike, I only got four minutes to talk to you. I'm going to start with, so, you know, I sound just like Wanda. I am not doing that. <laughs> At all. So I did my little audition. Everything's fine. And so after we're done, me and a bunch of the other comics end up at some bar over in New York just hanging out. And while we're there, Wanda and her team happen to walk in. 
and they recognize us, and they're nice enough to come and hang out with us. And so my friend starts telling the story. So now I got to tell the rest because they've heard me tell the story. I'm like, Juana yeah. hated me back in the day. I'm sure she. I hope she didn't remember because she never knew that it was me, and right. I didn't say that. So she's not going. This Shannon is the same Shannon from ten years ago on this radio thing right. that did this stupid, stupid bit. There's no way. So of course we're in the bar. I'm like. So I got to tell the story the right way. I'm like, yeah, we worked on this morning radio show back when you were doing this, and we thought of doing it. She's like, I remember that. That was dumb. <laughs> She's like, I wasn't mad. That was just dumb. And I'm like, okay, I'm glad you weren't mad. Got a thing. I also did not end up on last comic day. So once she remembered, she was like, that girl was stupid. She is not that. She is not creative. <laughs> Let me go back. I'm going to edit my critique. Not. I thought funny. she was okay. She had a nice dress. Now, not so much. <laughs> That'd be great. She's like, what if she would have remembered you and been like, oh, here's what I think of you and then did an impression of you. <laughs> that would have been fine. <laughs> also, she would have like just policed it up a little bit and taken the twang out of her yeah, voice. Yeah. That'd have been great. <laughs> Let me tell you about my son. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I have jokes about my, my son. <laughs> that worked out. Oh, Wanda. <laughs> Poor Wanda. I love Wanda. Did you happen to see uh, the j- video of John Caparulo, our buddy? No, do you I know did John? I, what did you, I do know John. What, what did I? What happened recently? I missed that video. <clears throat> uh, well, it was on TMZ and it, it, pretty big. Oh uh, no! He was doing comedy. Uh, it was this week, a couple nights ago, at a club. They were recording, so there's video of it, and he makes a joke about the Washington Monument, and then he compares it to something with Trump. It's a Trump joke. Right. Somebody sitting, I'm pointing so no one can see this, like two rows back. Yes. Stage right a little bit. Mm-hmm. She's like, the woman's like, eh, fuck you. Right. And then he, he goes off. He's like, what? what are you, why are you here? Then leave. Yeah. So she gets up and then there's a, her friend is still sitting there and she's mumbling stuff. And he's like, what, yeah, what, you should leave too. Right. Picks up her glass and freaking nails him with it oh, poor from John. like 10 feet away. You know what? I think that that's what you know people don't understand is like with this job, there's like weird hazards because people take things so personally and they kind of always give us that latitude. It's like, well, you're a comedian. You can say whatever you want. Um, technically, yes. But there's, we'll call them consequences because yeah. people do not always appreciate the stuff that you say. And I think that that's part of whenever somebody wants to tout some First Amendment things, like you can, yeah, you can legally say whatever you want, but that doesn't mean somebody's not going to want to punch you in the face right. for what you said. So whether it, regardless of what side of the aisle you stand on, there's people that are going to get mm-hmm. mad that you say it. You know, I have the luxury of most people don't flat out throw things at me, but then Good. I get conversations later, it's like, why do you people always have to be a, bring up race well you just call me you people Whoa. so i get to say what i want to say you know but you know i can understand when people don't appreciate what i say right. and that's their you know that's their prerogative you know and i'm gonna keep saying it. and i think that right now because things are so charged there's people that come to shows that expect us not to be people and not to have opinions where it's like you're just supposed to be a comedian you're not supposed to have an opinion one way or the other Mm -hmm. on all this stuff just make me laugh and it's like well there's other people that are laughing you just don't agree with my opinion and now you're mad exactly but we're still all people and we're still gonna have you know there's certain things that we feel about the situation and everybody's gonna share that because i'm the one with the microphone so if you don't like it yeah you shouldn't throw things at me but you know, you can leave. Yeah. I agree with John. Go. Go then. He handled it really well. I mean, when he when it first hits him, he kind of does like a, like a, oh. He wanted to punch her, but he's like, I can't yeah, punch her. I, yeah. I, I know John. I can't punch girls. Right. I can't punch. I should. 
I can't punch girls. <laughs> yeah. So he, you know, he kind of just, oh, like, you know, like maybe they didn't make a fist, but you could what? tell he was like, oh, Man. I want to yeah. freaking. Uh, but then, like, they leave and the crowd is, like, cheering for him, of right. course. Like, hey, we're with you. We're right. here to, to laugh and screw them. Mm-hmm. And then he handles it wonderfully. Yes. He's like, oh, God, well, uh, I still got to tell jokes. Um mm-hmm. Whew, all I'll right. go check it out. And I get the TMZ alerts to my phone, but they're very sporadic about it. So oh. it's all like, so clearly it wasn't a Kardashian or something about Black <laughs> China, so it didn't feel the need to send it to my phone. Yeah. So uh-huh. <laughs> it was all like, no, you'll come read it. That's all right. So they didn't actually send out their text alert no, on that not. one on TMZ. I guess not with that one. Then he says something like, uh, you, you know, he goes like, I got to do my act. You'd ever go to like, uh, let's say we're, I, I'm going to murder this. Not, I'm going to do it as well as him. But it was something like about like, uh, like Cy Amundsen popping his face. No, uh, like um, he's saying, like you know, you know, at like Thanksgiving when you know everybody's fighting and yes. it's super uncomfortable, and then Ma or Grandma comes out like, "Who wants pie?" Right? Like, exactly. uh, what? That's <laughs> awkward, but we needed that to diffuse things, so that's fine. We have to go back to our jobs, yeah. but. And that's, I think, is is one of the interesting but also cool things about being a comedian is that, yeah, it's our job to be funny, but that doesn't mean that we're always in a good mood. It's just my job to come up here and be funny, even though I'm in a crappy mood. Yeah. So I do it anyway, you know, kind of thing. There's lots of times like, I don't feel like being funny, but I got to come here and you on here on my... My, I can't do, I can't show up to work and be all like, oh, today sucked, so I'm not going to tell my jokes. Right. You know, I don't get to do that. I'm like, I'm going to tell my jokes anyway, and then go home and cry in my wine. That's what you do. There you so, go. Exactly. Let that be a lesson to everyone. Yes, cry in your wine. Cry in It dampens the wine. sound of the tears. It makes them, you know, very melodious. That's what it is. <laughs> it's like plink, plink, like when you like watch an old musical. That's what it is. La Ode de La La Land. Right. What is the so? What's going on with your podcast? Talk about uh, that. I do a podcast called Your Geek Show, and so we talk about um, what you would think would be historically geek-like subjects. You know, so if you want to hear people talk about. Um, the new X-Men movie, Logan, that's coming out and what's going on with Lord of the Rings and all those. It does usually have that spin. But we also have a guest geek on every week that gets to geek out about whatever is their particular thing. So that means that the subject matter floats all the time. Mm -hmm. So we have, like, what we're doing this week is we have a person that's super into sports. So he's talking about the theory of sports and the difference, how you differentiate between being a fan of, like, pro sports and, um, uh, like, collegiate sports. We're going to talk about that. Uh, We also have a friend of our is a big fan of 1980s comedy that's coming on very soon you know so we you know that's i think is the fun part about it and, and what's kept us going is that you know i genuinely love talking to people about what they geek out about because yeah. everybody has something else that i call it whatever makes you squee like uh-huh. everybody has something else that makes them get super excited and that their light their their face lights up when they get a chance to talk about it or something yeah. that you're like justin you love this thing but your wife is sick of hearing about it well you get to come on my podcast and talk <laughs> about it and so that always is what is so fun and so charming about it is watching somebody get to light up and talk about something that they're really into for an hour yeah. that they don't and we try to like every week because there's so many people that are into a broad array of things so we like to focus on one particular thing that they're super excited about every week because then we can have some people come on multiple times uh, because it's sometimes you might be talking about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or The Simpsons or 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 Doctor Who you like you never know and so we get to rotate through a lot of different things so it's been going really well and I'm very fortunate that um uh 
the guys that I asked to come and do the podcast with me have not gotten sick of me, and they still show up That's every good. week. And are you doing and, them every week? Yes, you know. So they follow me, and they and I go. I got this idea. We're going to do this thing. And so when I sat them all down at a bar and said, I got a project. And, you know, because our friend Rob Callahan, I mean, he's a local author and he's working on a new book. And Nikahotep, he's stuck. He's our social media demon who lives on my shelf, so he's got nothing else to do. Um, <laughs> but my friend Jayton Satia, he's the executive director of the Twin Cities Film Fest, and he was just uh, in L.A. working on the Spirit Awards, the indie oh, film awards that oh are right yeah. before the Oscars. So they have things, um, but they also really have similar tastes and likes to what, you know, I do, and they're very committed to, like, doing this. So we get to come and hang out, you know, on Saturdays and talk about different things every week. And so they're great. They're great. Do you do, uh, do you research the topic that your guest is going to be talking I about? I do. I do. I don't make the guys as often. Like, I'll give them a heads up, but if they don't know as deep about it as um, I do, I don't get mad at them. Okay. But I do try, and, and you probably know this because you worked in radio. We are a mile wide and three feet deep on so many things. Yeah. Um, and so that's why they kind of go, well, that's Shannon's show. And that's nice. Uh, because it, it, it does make the random collection of not Jeopardy depth knowledge, but random collection of knowledge that somebody like you and I would have mm -hmm. worthwhile. Because if somebody's going to come in and talk about any general subject, I'm like, yeah, I probably know what that is too, at least enough that I can, yeah. you know, make it a, a, a fun interview. And, and we, you know, there's some things that we do that have just, we've fallen into these habits of having like an interesting beverage come in every week and it gives us something else to talk about and something uh -huh. to give, um, uh, to, to talk to the guest about and, and things like that. And so we've only had one episode that was just off the rails because I usually don't edit the episodes very often I just like okay I chop them and I throw them up on, uh, on our speaker page and everything's cool yeah but our Christmas episode I had to like really like listen to and have it make sense because we had a friend of ours that happens to be a director of sales at a local um liquor distribution company here in the Twin Cities. Ah, and, that's a nice friend to have. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So our friend Stuart, he's that's the That's a cool friend with right. benefits. So he brought in a bunch of different, what we were, we were talking about, um, interesting beverages that you could have at different holiday parties. And it was also Jayton's birthday. And so we were super celebrating on this episode. So we had, during the course of this hour, it's normally an hour. Mm -hmm. It ended up going an hour and a half. But we went through, he he brought in this Bailey-style um creamy liqueur that's made here in the twin uh, here in the here in Minnesota mm -hmm. um, and he brought in that he also brought in uh, some wine that you could get in a can called Man Can. He brought in some of that as well. Never heard of that. It's Man Can. You'll like it. It's really cool. It's actually, if you're a wine drinker, it's actually really good because canned wine is was historically terrible. It's actually really good. Uh, so he brought in Man Can, and then he also brought in this Chinese liquor called Baishu, okay. which is like 165 proof. That and it smells like wet dog. It's terrible, <laughs> super smelly, but very important. He brought that in, and then he also brought in a couple of bottles of champagne. So we went through all of this. So by the end of it, like every time you've ever been out at a bar with your friends, just drunk and everybody's talking over each other, <laughs> and you get to the part of the story where somebody tells telling some overly emotional story about like Jade. It's his birthday. He's like. 
I wouldn't want to be any place else but here with you people (laughs) right now. And it's like it's the it's the holidays, so like we're singing Happy Birthday Birthday to Jayton, but Stuart and I are like so drunk that we're singing it over. I had like the Charlie Brown Christmas music playing in the back, so we're like Happy Birthday to. We're like, oh my god, and that's when it went off the rails. (laughs) If you are drunkenly singing. Happy birthday to the wrong song over it. Yeah, we're like it was, it was so fun. But I had to chop it up because I'm like people who haven't listened to us the entire span of our podcast think we're just drunken idiots. Yeah. It does like it made no sense. You know what this sounds like to me? Hmm. This sounds like something that's going to turn into a tradition. <laughs> Every holiday episode, mm, we're just I like, so. let's get trash and see who ends so. up lying on the floor. I yeah. like it. I like that idea. I think so. The 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 annual everybody drinks so much we can't make any sense of the podcast episode. I got a geeky thing to ask you about. Did you see Lego Batman? Yes, I did. I haven't. Is it good? It is amazing. I know what I saw. It's been kicking ass at the th- in the it box is, office. It is awesome. It is not only a great movie if you are a geek and you like the Lego the, and the DC universe, um, but they did a great job. Like it's very funny. Um, it's it's that kind of thing that you can like. It, it's multi generational, so you could take because you have like a nine and an eight year old. Yeah, eight and ten. Eight yep. and ten. You could take them. You'll think it's funny. They'll think it's funny. You'll have a great time. Only one of them wants to go, so I got to take them anyway. Uh, yeah, just go. It's one of those things. You'll have a good time. Why does Why does the other one not want to go? Uh, probably because she associated associated with Lego, and she doesn't. My ten year old Megan loves yes. Lego. Uh huh. Anna couldn't care less. Well, you, so she's and, probably connecting it with that. Yeah, and it's not so Lego driven. Yes, they do have like some of the things are funnier because they are little Lego pieces. But you don't need that for yeah. it. But it is just genuinely funny, regardless of what it is. Like, and it and it got to funny. So quick. And, you know, in comedy, we care about They're like, how quick do we get to a punchline? <laughs> like, you're like, it. the opening credits, you're like, okay, that was funny. Oh, and good. it has a good message in it. Good. It, it, was, it, was, it was one of my favorite movies that I've seen. I would think that, that would be up for a lot more awards. It should have got more than La La Land. So, mm-hmm. kind of thing. My second favorite movie, as far as geeks go, that I've seen recently, I love La- that one. Did you see Hidden Figures? No, Hidden but I Figures would. Hidden Figures is fantastic. And don't worry, it doesn't beat you up too much. It doesn't make you go, like, oh, my God, I'm inherently racist. It doesn't. Um, it doesn't do that to you at all. But it is a great movie. I don't want... You feel, it's a feel-good... I don't walk around that guilty. It's a feel-good... Feel a little bit guilty. It's a feel-good movie. So, But sure. it, yeah, it's good. I, that, was, that was one of my favorite movies that I've seen recently as well. So you like that, too. Uh, what's up with Octavia Spencer being in every movie now? Well, because it's her turn. Okay. It's like Highlander. There can be only one. So Viola, Viola, Viola Davis got her uh, her Academy Award now. So now it's Octavia Spencer's okay. job. But, you know, Octavia Spencer did a fantastic job on it. Uh, I really, um, I'm glad to see, um, oh, Brain just stopped. Uh, from uh, Cookie from Empire. Oh, yeah. It was great to see her Henson. in that movie. Well, yeah. yeah uh, so she did a fantastic job at it. And it's also good to see Janelle Monet in it doing something other than her, you know, super awesome music oh, stuff. Oh, the singing, so yeah. They did, a, they did a fantastic job of it. It was a really good movie. Yeah, now, speaking of, I can't remember the name of the movie that won Best Picture. What was um, that one called? It was Moonlight. Moonlight. Did you uh, see that one? I did not see that. Okay. I'm going to see that next week, actually, because yeah. right. we're having uh, one of the charity organizations doing is doing a, 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 a screening of it. Okay. So we're going to go see that. So Men, Okay, that's a perfect way to lead into, like, besides coming here and, like, uh, featuring for Phil Hanley and coming here. How often are you working here? <laughs> Answer that question first. I'm here first. about every two, three months. Every so two, three, it's kind yes. of a rotation, yes. two, three months? Mm-hmm. When you feature here, so you run through pretty quick. Okay, and then besides, we can also talk about that, besides, like, we're, uh, you know, 
all the other doing performing comedy. What else are you doing? Oh, that's so funny. I know like, you're a, you know, I, I remember know one time I saw you here and you were recording like a, maybe some sort of demo or yes, something. Yes, you know, because I do different stuff hosting. than some of the other comedians because when I'm not, and when I'm not doing comedy, um, I'm one of the local hosts for The Moth, uh, which is the a, a national storytelling nonprofit. And I work with some groups that are like that. So that's always fun because okay. it's comedy adjacent. Uh, but I also <laughs> like work with uh, a couple of different charity organizations. So I'm the board of directors for an organization called the Pacer Center. And we are... Um, Along with working with families and children with disabilities here, we are also the National Bullying Prevention Center. So we do uh, a lot of programs that you can uh, be partnered with throughout the country that work with children to make sure that they uh, uh, have the resources they need if they're being bullied. Um, And I'm also on the board of directors for the Autism Society in Minnesota, so I work with that kind of stuff a lot. So I spend a lot of time like donating my time to to children's charities, Um, which I know sounds really weird when you're a comedian. We're like, she shouldn't be around our kids. But... um, (laughs) Uh, uh, that's what I do, and when no, you they s- may fit for some, but yeah, not you. And, yeah, and so when I, uh, so when you saw me, I was I was reworking because I do do. Um, it's still I'll call it comedy based because I'm not a professor. I'm a comedian and a person that worked at Fortune 100 companies, but I do cultural sensitivity training. So I do some things like a uh, presentation called Cultural Sensitivity for the Accidentally Insensitive, and I go around to colleges and um, different businesses, and I help them. Uh, work on some some issues that they might have going on in their oh, in their groups. And I don't so think I, do I knew that. Sensitive. Yeah, so I do. So when you saw me, I was working on some uh, some additional footage I need for my cultural sensitivity training that I do. So is I that do something that you put well. together on your own, or were yes. you hired by yes. someone? Yes. So to that's do that. something that it, it kind of built out of some uh, subject matter that is actually in my stand up act. And some people were like, "Hey, we can use that for our business. You should turn that into a presentation." And so, you know, I I actually built the stories out, and I do have that background and that. That's what I kind of went to college for. Yeah. So I've turned that into something that I do as well. So when you saw me filming, that's what I was doing. What's the, oh, that, uh, I mean, you, I'm sure you know, but you've had jobs when, you know, you get that memo that comes through and like, hey, Tuesday at 10, we're having the presentation right. about sensitivity. And so I'm one 99% of those people. 99% of the people are like, oh. And that's why there's room for people like me. me. Right. And so I try to present the information in a way that is building these these cultural circles and not making you feel like a terrible person and that's kind of what I do is that it comes from a position of I want to free you from feeling like you're a sexist or a racist or something some people and I'm not saying all some people legitimately act, you know put their foot in their mouth and didn't mean to sure and so it's starting a conversation so you can go yeah. here's why I get to know you as a person Justin and say you know well what do you self identify instead of me going you know what I've met white guys before here's what they're like it's starting that conversation yeah. so I can go let me get to know you yeah. just like I would expect people to know you know me and right. so you know it's an opportunity for me to uh, usually when I go to businesses it's a lot of time going here's how you can make people in a different cultural circle than what's your prevailing culture in your company feel welcome into this environment because it's not always race sometimes it might be sexual orientation it might be um, age uh, orientation sure. there's lots of different reasons oh, yeah. why they might be having a particular uh, issue in their little circle and so I help them kind of work through those issues um, or I speak at colleges and a lot of times it's from the the the, uh, the the other direction where it's we feel like we are not the prevailing culture in this situation 
situation, how do we continue re- continue to reintroduce ourselves and not get weary from going, oh. how come you don't understand that I'm Muslim? How come you don't understand that I'm Hispanic? How come you don't, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm tired of explaining this. And <laughs> so it's talking to college kids sometimes about how they can move into these other circles and make a name for themselves and make a place for themselves and feel comfortable doing that and not just go, oh my God, somebody asked me again, how come I have on a hijab? Yeah. So that kind of thing. So Did they call, are you ever called in like as a, because something, there was something that happened at a business? Sometimes. And, like we've you know, got issues here and we got to, there's right. something we got to do. Because there was a company, there was a, a healthcare company that hired me in Iowa and it basically was, you're our first foyer into this particular subject matter because there was a. It happened to be a very homogenous uh, little group that they were working in, mm-hmm. and they had had an influx of well, you know, in this particular area of you know Hispanic people that were working there, and they were. And this company wanted to really focus on the way they presented it to me. It was we need our staff to get on board. Otherwise, this is the wrong place for them to work because this is what we're doing. Yeah, and so I was their first. Um, attempt to work on this because I come from a, a place of in, uh, inclusion. And so it's basically, if it doesn't work the way I say it, which is, I'll, I'll be honest, is more of a soft sell, then it means, well, now we have to come in with them. You came in here with a feather. We're going to have to come in here with a mallet. Okay. And so it's, you know, if, we, if they can't get from here, we're just us just going, hey, this is the right thing for you to do because we think you're all good people, then maybe we need to start making some more aggressive decisions as we go forward. And so those are the people that usually hire me is that they want an, an opportunity to start the conversation and for people to feel like there's a comfortable reason why they can do this and why it's okay. Do people, uh, the, uh, let's say you're at a business, do people come up to you per, like one-on-one when it's, when it's done? A lot of like, times kind of pull you aside, like, hey, I, that was, yes. I'm glad because, you know, uh, Billy over down the hall could really use exactly. this. Exactly, or Susan keeps looking at people funny, or we're just so, and, and, and I really appreciate when they do. Yeah, and it's, you know, because, it's hard on everyone, but I think that especially because of the situation we're in here in the Midwest, there are a lot of people who just had the luxury of living and growing up here in the Midwest and don't mean to come across as a certain thing, but never really had that opportunity before, we'll yeah. say. So they just had the luxury of like when you, you know, they're like, well, all my friends happen to be of this particular, they're all just like me. I lived in this bubble. And right. of course, I thought everything was just cool because my bubble was very, very safe. And this is what I did. And that's not the world that we live in anymore. Yeah. So I appreciate when people do ask me to come in and talk to them about that, because I try to give a lot of people the benefit of the doubt until I no longer can do that. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm that's like, fair. oh, no, you're the worst. Yeah, that's and like, that's but totally most people fair. are not the worst. They wanna, they wanna know more about other people. That's totally fair. I, uh, I told you like before we started recording, and one of my, one of the many jobs I'm doing now is painting, house yes. painting, interior, exterior, mm-hmm. whatnot. And when I'm doing work for a buddy of mine, uh, there's another guy I work with who's Mexican. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was born. God, was he born? I'm not even sure. I think he was born in the United States. Mm-hmm. Parents definitely were not. Yes. He speaks with a very heavy accent. Right. Uh. You know, and he's got the mustache and everything, right? right? Like he's, there's no, you look at him, you know that he's Hispanic. Right. Um, we'll be, and this has happened more than once, and it just fucking kills me. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we're doing work at somebody's house, and when they want to address us, 
they completely ignore him, even though he's better than me, like better than me at the job, Mm -hmm. more knowledgeable, has been doing it longer, but they look at me like, I'm going to talk to the white guy. Clearly this is the boss. Because they go to a position of, of where they're most comfortable. And I'm and, looking and, at him, and I'm like, my buddy at work, and I'm like, and I'm like, sorry, man. And he's like, this is what man. happens all the, de- all the time. Oh, he and knows. I think it's, yeah. And it's just, you know, people go, they, I mean, that's just one of those things that anthropologically we do, is we go to who do we think are most comfortable. And we have, I mean, study after study has shown that people just, they don't mean to do it. They go to... I have been a, I have grown accustomed to thinking that this person, because of the way they look, is smarter, more qualified, yeah. more educated, and they don't know to ask the question. You know, they don't think to ask the question, and I try as best as I can to be that person that makes them ask that question. Yeah. You know, regardless of whether I'm doing my comedy or whether I'm doing my speaking, that's a lot of, you know, I'm sure that when people, because when I first started doing comedy, that's when I was still the co-host on a morning show that happened to be a, on a hip-hop station, but I was still the least hip-hop person, even though I was the black person, the, mo- the least hip-hop hip-hop station uh, person on that hip-hop show. <laughs> um, I listened to it the least. I grew up in, like, the least stereotypically hip-hop of any of us. Uh-huh. But, of course, people would, like, they'd meet us, and my co-host at the time, who happened to be Italian and white, they'd go, they thought, from the way that they heard, and when they'd meet us in person, they'd go, oh, well, we didn't know you were black when they talked to me, and they presumed that Tony was. was because of That's our background. Awesome. You know, yeah. kind of thing. But he's from New York and Italian, and so he just sounded a little more what they were thinking. Yeah. And I'm, you know, I'm a black girl, but I'm from Arizona. We have non-regionally specific accents. That's just that. They just weren't accustomed to me sounding the way I sound. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, okay, let me keep reminding people I'm black. You know, but when I started doing comedy, people would see me and presume I was going to be a lot more BET comic view than I ever was. And I'm like... No, I went to a private Christian grade school and my, you know, and I went to a, you know, a public, a public high school, but I read a bunch of comic books and I'm like, I grew up reading, you know, C.S. Lewis and Ray Bradbury and like, I'm a big, Are those like, rappers? I know, you would think so. They make good rapper names. Um, you'd have to spell them weird though. C.S. Lewis, Exactly. Yo. You'd have to spell them like with the S backwards yeah, or something right. like that. Um, so. Lewis. I, exactly. And so people were just surprised and so that was one of the things that I thought about when I first started doing comedy is that I'd get advice where people would going you should be a lot more like these other black female comedians and for a while I'm like oh my gosh maybe I made a mistake by not being like these particular other black female comedians and who, who was telling you that well like I would every other once black while, female comedians no, no it never was it was not. usually like some booker at a comedy festival or somebody that would just meet me and go, how come you don't sound like this? Mm-hmm. You know, or, and you know, for a while, like it honestly, I'm like, maybe I made a, uh, maybe I've made a bad decision. Maybe I should have just done that, you know? So I'm really glad that I'm still doing this and I'm still in the game and I'm still a comedian because for a while it made me go, oh my gosh, I could have been this mm-hmm. if I had taken that advice and I didn't. And, you know, I would be on the road or I'd be doing this or maybe I should be this person in that movie. And I, ne- and, and then I decided not to, and I'm still here and I'm still <laughs> telling jokes and you're still willing to talk to me, Justin. So it all worked out because <laughs> For a while, I really was like one of those crosswords where I'm like, should I have changed who I was and what my persona was and been a lot more blue and a lot more, let me drop it like it's hot. And don't get me wrong. I like hip hop music. I like all that stuff. I just have schizophrenic music taste. But should I have Mm -hmm. like been a different person than who I inherently am to get this spot in this comedy festival? And I'm like, I decided not to. And I second guess myself. 
And now, you know, finally, you know, there's been some stuff that I'm like, no, it all worked out. Mm-hmm. It all worked out. You just got to be you and figure out what your voice is and what, you know. And I think that's the hard part about comedy is always finding your voice and what do you have to share and what makes you you and being able to share that to other people and find that commonality. And I'm glad that I get to do that. I'm sure you did you go and look for uh, examples of uh, black female comedians that aren't doing, you know, as you said, I didn't at the BET. time. I'm friends with a lot of them all now. You know, at the time, no, because Tracy Ashley's not going to be on exactly. Def Comedy you know, Jam. And Tracy is a great friend of mine, and now, and I was so glad that I got to be able to look at Tracy. Like Leanne Lord, who's out of New York, is a fantastic person who's not that that as well. Where if you ask us, yeah, we could, but it's like, what would we do to our like what? But it's like now you build your act to the point that's like, yeah, I used to do a lot more. We'll call them urban rooms back when I first started when I was at the hip hop station, but I. I learned how do I do my act and I'm still me in that setting Mm. and I don't change who I am. But it's the same way that if I'm working the way that I work in urban room where I may tell a less chatty version of my act is the same way I work as I'm open for Nick DiPaolo, who will say is a lot more, you know, KQRSE, like, you know, that that more blue collar type mm-hmm. person. When I'm doing that one, I just know I don't have the luxury of telling the chatty version of that. I need to go hit, 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 sure. hit. And I treat the audiences the same. Yeah. You know, I don't, quote unquote, black it up when I'm in an urban room. <laughs> I'm a lot less, um, I'm a lot more efficient in my style okay. of jokes, which is the same way I do if I'm in front of a Nick DiPaolo because he'll have an audience that's in going, who invited her? We want to get straight to the guy who does these kind of jokes. So I'm like, I still know how I work that audience. Mm-hmm. It's just a lot more efficient. But it's like, I'm still funny in this setting too. And you don't give them time to breathe or heckle or say there anything you rude, you know, or be surprised that I'm here. You know, so that, that was a learning, you know, and that was doing it long enough to go, well, here's what I'm going to do when I do this. What, uh, so how often are you on a stage these days? Uh, at least once a week, like a lot of people. I mean, I, you know, I'm very fortunate that I keep busy. I keep busy. If I'm not, if I'm not working, working, I'm at an open mic still working on something new cause I'm still writing. Okay. So, you know, and I've been very fortunate that if I'm not doing a week stretch, there's enough things that pop up that I've managed to keep working, you know, every week to every two weeks for sure. So, and, um, I try to make sure that I'm diverse in what I do. Cause like last week I was doing the storytelling thing at the moth, but it was still something that I had to write. And it was still because of what I do It's still humor based. And so it may not be straight up stand up, but it's, I'm on stage. And since I'm seeing, it's still using my improv abilities and what I'm doing and work and interacting. And that was one of the things that they said they liked about it is that I could go, well, here's something funny that I said in between each of these different stories and how, even though that was a kind of heavy story, how did I bring it back to light, but still honor uh-huh. the emotion that was in the story that was before me. So wow. I like it. I like being able to do different stuff. It keeps me on my toes. How it about, makes you not lazy. Yeah. How about recording? Have you done? I have. I am, and I am behind a lot of people. So I am currently. No judgments here. No, just a question. That was my fault. So I, you know, so I, I did record and I am in the editing process with Stand Up Records. Oh, so you I'm are? working on that. So I'm getting that together. So it was one of those things that I did not 
make it a priority when I should have. And so I finally got around a few months ago to actually recording. And okay. now I'm listening back through it and, and, and seeing how it goes. So okay. that'll be good. So, uh-huh. but yeah, but I'm working, you know, I'm, you know, I'm fortunate. I've got, I got shows this weekend, you know, at a different place here in town. Uh, so I've got that and I've got shows that are coming up next week and throughout April. Like, honest uh, to, to the point, because my birthday is this month in March. And I was trying to figure out where to put a birthday celebration, but I didn't know where to put it because between what's going on with my kid, I didn't, I'm like, well, I'm not taking him to sit her because my mom's going to get drunk for a birthday. Um, and so, and then I have shows whenever he's not, mm-hmm. which is, you know, that's, that's a blessing. So I'm not bitching about it or anything like that, but it's like, I don't know where to put it. So I might have to like push my birthday to like next month. So. That's fine. As far as just hanging out, just to hang out. Like, I'd rather work because you got to work while you can. Yeah. You know? It's tough to do. I mean, you get more than a few people involved in anything. It's so hard to schedule. Right. My sister's birthday was uh, the end of January, and we didn't get together over two weeks later. Yeah, and that's what I'm looking at, where I'm just yeah. like, it's just like the schedule doesn't work with me, or like, uh, we'll figure it all out. It'll all work out. Yeah. Uh, how about uh, so we can kind of wrap things up here? Social media. What, which uh, ones are you using now? I am. You know, I can only use three at a time, and so uh, that I'm actively good at. So you can still find me on Facebook, and it's Shannon Paul, but it's Shannon with an A. So I have my Facebook fan page, uh, and then I'm on Twitter, and that's at Miss Shannon. Everything else is Miss Shannon. So like my website's Miss Shannon. So lots of S's and then an extra A. Um, and uh, and on Instagram, you know, because like and, and Instagram. So if anybody ever wonders, because people that ask me, because I tell so many stories, they're like, oh my gosh, did you make that up? If you follow me on social media, they go, no, she really does have a giant nine year old, and this is what he looks like, and he really is autistic. Because why would I make that up? Um, but you can see like the little stories that we do, and see little pictures that I put up of my kid, and, yeah. and things like that, and things that we think are amusing, and it's all out there. I'm trying to do the Snapchat. Are you? Um, yes. See, I don't. And so I'm trying to do the Snapchat because... We're, we're, we're not too old for Snapchat? No. No, we're not too old for Snapchat. Good, okay. Uh, and, and, uh, but it's, it's a matter of how you use it. But it's... I get, like, I get really good about Snapchat for, like, a week, and then, like, I fall off of it for, like, a week and a half, and then I'll get good about it again, and okay. I fall off of it. But it's so hard for me to super care because it's so temporary intentionally temporary yeah that is hard for me to go i'm gonna put a lot of effort in something that i know that was a great snap that is gone a day later yeah so it's just hard i for still me haven't to, wrapped my head around that i don't know why things are going to be temporary yeah it's hard for me that. to think that i care but the other three i'm super good at so if you follow me on facebook twitter or instagram then that's that because it has a better sense of permanence. It's yes. there, and I'm better at those. Last week, uh, Ryan Hamilton and Pat Sussmilch were on the podcast. Yes, and we the um, there were some stories and jokes that came up uh, that in their act as well as on the podcast mm-hmm. that uh, that did, same thing that have like proof. On social media, right. Instagram, and That's it's awesome. It started with. I came to Ryan Hamilton's show, and he tells a story about uh, going to Disneyland mm-hmm. and riding one of the rides by himself. Yes, and then they, you know, the, you go down on the log, and then it takes the picture. Right. He, and there's a picture of it. There's a yeah. picture of it. Yeah. And it's him sitting in the back seat all by himself. Right. And that's, and that's how my story is. I'm like, oh, I wish I made that up because it's a little bit tragically sad. But no, here's the story. Yeah. Like, I just made sure, like, I didn't realize until today that I was not following you on Instagram. Oh, and now I am. I, I saw that. Yeah. Yes. So I was just like, so that was not intentional. I was like, I'm not. <laughs> okay. And I think it was that I didn't. When I saw your screen name on Instagram, it didn't occur to me it was you. Oh. So yeah. I was like, oh, wait. No, I know that person. Here. No, follow back. <laughs> 
So I feel bad. So if I'm ever not following you back on a social media thing, it's probably because I don't think you're a real person. <laughs> so send me a note if you're like, why didn't she follow me back? You because know, I probably thought you were a bot, and yeah. I just was like, I don't need to follow bots. Right, That'll right, just right. be garbage. Yeah. So. Uh, want to say anything? How's uh, how is the cyclone kid? He is doing very well today. That uh, on the day that we are recording, it is his ninth birthday, so we have festivities planned. Awesome! On this weekend, uh, so he's doing very well. He is still giant. Um, and last week, our biggest adventure is that I found out when I got off stage at one of my performances that he had uh, uh, cracked two of his front teeth. <laughs> And as I told you, uh, I that did just that. happens, right? It, yeah, that doesn't hey, mean I'm a I, terrible. I don't I was, get. I was probably only just a few years older than him when okay. I did it to myself. I had I another friend tell me that that that's what the boys break things, and mm-hmm. so I'm just like, people tell me that, and I'm like, I'm a terrible mom, but no, it's fixed, and they are now replaced, and they look really fine, they look good, and he doesn't care. He went right back to jumping off of the thing that pretty much broke his teeth. Yeah. So, Love but it. he's doing really well. And do, he's doing I, great. I wanted to ask you, do like uh, you refer to him as the Cyclone Kid on social media? well as on stage does he hear that name does he know that name he doesn't know that name no i don't call him cyclone kid to his face you know kind of thing like he doesn't know that um i use some of it in my stage and that was the that was just the social media because i'm one of those people that i talk about stuff but i'm not i don't consider myself an oversharer on social media so like i do share stories but i'm not a flat-out kardashian where everything's on there but i do tell stories about him and so for the, the longest time he was the toddler tornado and then he, he wasn't a toddler anymore so I had to come up with another name and I actually talked about it with some other people on social media and that's where he came up with Cyclone Kid which I can keep forever um, yeah, because totally. it is very appropriate because he is a whirlwind and he's so exhausting and he just moves all the time um, but I like being able to share those stories especially because he uh, because of his autism because I think a lot of parents in the autism community like because of so much we do it's not a, a, a lifestyle it's a great and our kids are great and they're super smart and they're amazing but it's not necessarily a lifestyle that's always based upon play dates with other kids so it's nice to be able to have that online community and talk to other parents about stuff that we do because a lot of the stories that we have they're not like they're super non-standard stories it's just harder for me to have that one-to-one conversation with other autistic parents because so much of our you know thing is like well my kid doesn't want to go hang out of your thing and your kid doesn't want to come hang out of my thing yeah, yeah. but <laughs> we have similar stories so it's nice to be able to have that community and social media is a good opportunity for us to do that so it's nice to be able to share those things and, and have those stories and and uh, another one of my favorite things online is the spaces of autism because you really get to see because i think um, some of the stories you have just makes it sound like it's just this tragic existence. And it's not. It's like kids are at work regardless. And so uh-huh. it's not to go, well, here's some of this complicated stuff that happens, but here's the super awesome stuff that happens too, you know, when you have a kid and you get to share that, those triumphs as much as you get to share I, any challenges I, you I, have. I could show it to you. And mm-hmm. I, we're, you know, we, um, I actually wrote down, I write down tons of stuff and never yeah. even look at it, but mm-hmm. I actually wrote this down. Uh, bet, Best thing being a parent of child autism. That is my note right there. What's the best thing? I think that the best thing about it is... and I do, I do make fun of this in my act. I do talk about it. It's like, at least I know what's going on with my kid, and I know what the challenge is and what I'm working on and what I'm working towards. And so I'm always amazed when I meet somebody that just has a shitty kid. Because it's like, that's on you as a parent. <laughs> that means you need to hang out with your kid more, or you need to parent them, or you need to have more boundaries, and you need to work on stuff. Like, I go, okay, he has a communication delay. Uh-huh. You need to sit there and actually, when you said no, mean no, lazy. That's what you need to do. <laughs> 
you know, kind of thing. That's you being just, yeah. Because like, I, I, I'll be at the lake, and there's like one of those moms is like, Timmy, if you don't stop, if you don't stop, if you don't, if you don't stop, what? Mm-hmm. How, what are you gonna do? Nothing. That's your problem. Yeah. If like my, my kid knows, if I say stop it or we're leaving, sometimes that's a hard decision. But I'm like, you didn't stop. Now we have to go. You know, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So. I, you know, that's at least I kind of, you know, it puts me in a situation of once I say it, I have to follow through. Okay. And so I don't get to be lazy about stuff when I parent. And a lot, I'm like, okay. And so when I see other parents that get that luxury of being lazy, I'm like, okay, fine then. You just, you, yeah, yeah. if your kid grows up with issues, that's your fault. <laughs> and I don't have to be, I, I think that's it. I don't have to be. You know, that's when I get judgmental about stuff because I'm not saying that parenting's not hard and we don't have challenges and you're all tired. I'm just like, but whatever. Yeah. Get your kid. <laughs> Why are you letting your kid throw rocks? You shouldn't let your kid throw rocks. You're like, I don't let my kid throw rocks. Right. Go get your kid. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the best part about being, you know, having your kid that's like autistic is that I'm going, all right, I do this all the time. So when I see a parent that I think is just lazy, I don't have to feel bad that I think they're lazy. No. <laughs> I don't. That's, a, deep, that's like, a good spot to be in. Exactly. Really. I'm all like, no, she's just lazy. <laughs> she should get her kid. <laughs> yeah, I love if it. you choose not to, that's her fault. She chose not to go get her kid. So if he doesn't grow up and go to college, that's Susan's fault. <laughs> <laughs> Susan. Go, Susan. Parent better. <sighs> mm-hmm. Damn it, Susan. Right. Damn it, it's Susan. always the Susans. <laughs> Sus. It's always the Susans kind of thing. <laughs> well, Miss Susan, I mean Miss Shannon. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, this has been fun. I think uh, we just did me. it over an hour, and that time flies. Mm-hmm. And we'll, uh, it does. You're right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we'll leave it there and continued success, Thank my friend. You very much. And, um, and it's always lovely to see you. Th- thank you. Mm-hmm. And people, obviously, we just set all the sites. Keep track of where you're working and go see you. And we'll trade off. You can come on your geek show. I'd love to have you. Uh, I'm in. Yay! All right. There we go. <laughs> Easy peasy. Hey, what did you think of that? Uh...